scripture reading for today is from Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. Listen for the word of God. Let us listen to the word of God. You were dead through trespasses and sins in which you once lived following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among us, and those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord.
for the text today from Luke 15, 11 through 24, which will be the first half of a two-part sermon. Let us listen to the Word of God. Then Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that belongs to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine had taken a place throughout the country, and he began to become a need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself and said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to my father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far away, 
his father saw him and was so filled with compassion that he ran and he put his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring a robe, the best one, and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is the word of God. The story of the prodigal son is so well known that it has become a part of our own folklore. It is not at all unusual to hear someone refer to their own as Well, our prodigal child, you all know the stories as well as I do. A son takes his inheritance and for whatever reason loses it. So down and sorrowful and penitent, he returns home expecting to be punished, but instead he discovers that he's still loved and accepted it ever bit as much as he ever was. That's a classic story of good, triumphant, triumphant over evil, everyone living happily ever after, just the way things are supposed to go in our world. But what is not said, and what many of us fail to understand unless we have been there ourselves, is there is a price to be paid for being forgiven. Wearing the robe and the ring and the sandals does not come cheap. And the price can actually be quite high. In those days, in Jewish tradition, a robe was a sign of hierarchy. And the ring was a sign of a place within the family or authority. And sandals were not worn by slaves. They usually went barefoot. So why do people leave home? Why do we leave home? While it's true that people often leave to escape a situation that's become intolerable, why do people leave home? Most of the people of you all probably don't know the story of this ring that I wear. It's my father's Masonic shrine ring, and I too joined the Masons and went through the shrine. Dad always spoke of the strength and guidance which he received from this ring each time he looked at it because it was a reminder of how he should carry himself in life. It served as a constant reminder that he should stay on the right path. On the day I became a Mason, my father gave me a different ring to wear, and I wore that ring for many, many years. But about a year before he passed away, an ambulance rolled up to their house And he pulled the ring off and he gave it to me and he said, it's yours now. And with this ring also came the unspoken expectations which he had for me, along with his hopes and dreams. So to look upon this ring now 20 years after he has passed away is to still know the weight of his love upon me. Knowing what he expected and the ways that I came up short, the love he bore and the disappointment I gave 
the elements he craved, which I could not provide. Make no mistake, love can bring with it a great weight. One day, these two rings that I have will go to my daughters, and I'm already aware of the potential burden that it might place upon them. Now, why else do people leave home? I'll share you one more story from my own life. I grew up in a nice home 10 miles from here in Pisgah, Illinois. For the locals, they call it Pisgah. My grandmother used to correct me. She goes, if you look in your Bible, it's Mount Pisgah. Well, I grew up in a nice home, and it was filled with a stereotypical farm with tractors and wagons and combines and plows and discs and other implements that we stored in a metal building. We had a dog that roamed the fields and chased rabbits. But that house belonged to my parents, as did everything in that house. So my room and my older brother's room were always being invaded by my mother, who she considered everything in there fair, fair game. You know, it was hers to investigate. Therefore, my treasures, my secrets could not be kept at home, and they weren't. I had to find somewhere which was mine, mine only. And is it any different today? Each of us needs some place we can call our own. It might be an office. It might be a password-protected corner of the computer. It may be a secluded spot somewhere around town, but it is somewhere we must have to call our own. People also leave for economic reasons. Things weren't too good in Palestine during that time that this parable was being told. Four million Israelites had already fled to other places, just as millions of the Irish left their homeland to escape a potato famine in the 1800s. Then again, it is also true that younger sons received much less inheritance than did their older brothers. In some countries, just like daughters, younger sons did not receive a penny. But in the case of the boy in our story today, it is reasonable to assume that he did not leave because he was abused or didn't have anything. Rather, he left out of a desire to be independent. Independence, the longing to be free, free from expectations, free from established ways, free from oversight and scrutiny. Actually, the reasons behind his leaving have no real bearing on the end of this story or the point of the story. The bottom line remains unchanged. The younger son left for a far country, and once there, two things happened to him. The first was his extravagant lifestyle. That was his responsibility. He made those decisions, and he had control over what he was doing. The second thing which happened was a famine, and that was something over which he had no control. So close to starving, he decided to go home. Most of us do at some time go home. We all come home again, and it is usually because we are starving from something, something in our heart. Many Americans plan trips to Europe, not because they were born there, in Scotland or Ireland or England or wherever, or because their parents were, but because a long time ago these countries were home. 
years ago when Debbie and I were first married, we're living in Texas. I wanted to show her where I grew up. I wanted to show her the house and the fields. And I wanted to show her this church. And this church that had meant so much to me as I had grown up. And like a good faithful wife, she expressed a lot of interest in those things. And I, I actually think she did. You know, actually there's a large measure of integrity in which the prodigal framed the speech he was going to give his father. Most people would have probably said something like, I was doing fine until the famine came along. That's the reason why I had to come back. But this child chose a harder path. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to even be called your son. He had planned to say more, treat me as one of your hired servants, but he was not even given a chance to complete his confession. Now the father did the best he could, and he also did the worst. At first sight of that child, while the child was still a long way off, he ran down the road and embraced the child. And it should be noted what the father did is not customary for a Jewish man to do. The proper thing would have been for him to stay right where he was and wait until that child came to him. The father did not stand and wait so the boy could see him and suffer the first quarter of a mile fearing his fate. The answer was given in his scene. There was no stern silence as the boy stammered out the words of his penitence. The penitence was offered in the embrace already given by the father. Yes, in response to a question not even asked. Father, can I come back home? There was no discussion about what the boy had done or what he was responsible for. Nothing. The father asked none of those questions. It was, without a doubt, the best the father could do. It was magnificent, and it served as an example by Jesus to show the way the Heavenly Father welcomes all of us back home, whether in our heart, whether we physically return the father did good and he also did bad he did his best and he did his worst why did the father do his worst because it left no room for that child to repent it left no room for a proper reconciliation even his request to be taken back came after the father's answer had already been given he could not even pay for his transgressions by receiving the blows of his father's condemnation. He was not allowed to work out his path back into the family. Then to make matters worse, to add insult to injury, instead of paying for his transgressions, he received gifts of a robe and a ring and sandals. He was left without a shred of dignity and self-justification. This is the definitive example of love. The church has always taught us this. But for those people who choose for dignity's sake to pave their own way through life, it could prove to be the worst example because the gifts now give rise to new bondage. We must be honest at this point to admit that Scripture doesn't tell us about the feelings 
or the thoughts which the prodigal had in response to being received home in the way he came home. But faith has taught us that to be loved this completely by God, inevitably a total surrender of the self and an end to independence. Though it is true that within this embrace of love, there is no humiliation, there is still a calling up of total humility. We are not, nor will we ever be, God's slaves. But it's still God's robe, it's still God's ring, and it's still God's sandals. We are embraced by God and receive his gifts. We become servants of God as soon as we do that. Depend upon him for our establishment and our maintenance, even the total meaning of our life. God alone comes with a source in which we live and move and have our being. Can God be trusted with your life? Can God be trusted with our life, my life? With confidence and faith, can we say, take my life to you, I surrender all? Countless of generations have answered the question with a firm yes. But in the end, it's your faith, it's my faith, and my faith and trust, and your faith and trust that really matters. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you found this podcast inspirational and would like to support the First Love Ministry programs at First Presbyterian Church, please send any contributions to First Presbyterian Church at 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois. Our zip code is 62650. Our phone is 217-245-4189. You can contact our secretary there between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Our email is office at firstpresjacks.org. That's office at f-i-r-s-t-p-r-e-s-j-a-x dot o-r-g. Masks are now optional anywhere in the church. Our in-person church services start at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Access to our online church service starts at 9.55 a.m. You can listen to these live services on our Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash first, F-I-R-S-T, P-R-E-S Jacks. You can join our Facebook group called First Presbyterians with a Purpose. We have a choir that meets from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday night and we welcome all who are willing to sing. We look forward to hearing from you either by email, mail, or phone. God bless And may you have a peaceful and safe year.